The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Pastor Matt, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if this is your first time here, there is a guest card in that uh, worship guide you received or in the pockets in the front of you, one of those black uh, pockets that are Velcroed to our chairs. If you'll fill that out, we'd love to get some information from you so we can get some information to you. We don't do anything weird with that. Um, we're just going to call you, email you, see how we can help you get plugged in and connected. But also, you can drop that in the giving station on your way out. want to give you just a quick construction update. We were joking earlier. I think the, the, the strategy of the guys on the bulldozers is to make a pile on one side of the building and move it to the other side throughout the week. So when we drive by, we're like, look at that progress. Um, but they're... <laughs> That's what I would do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we're going to move the pile over here today. Uh, but uh, there is great progress going on, and um, they're hoping to start uh, putting some concrete on site in the next uh, seven days. And uh, so inspections are starting to get called in, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we, we do have to ask that we don't go in the facility because there are holes, there's trenches, they have jackhammered foundation and put to put new plumbing in. There's where they cut the old plumbing out, there's, you know, four-inch holes sticking in, there's rebar sticking out. So it's a real safe environment right now. Um, and then uh, a lot of framing is going up. I actually have some pictures I took yesterday that I'll put up on Facebook this afternoon of more framing. And uh, it's just an exciting time. And, uh, and we'll, we're going to have a meeting this week to kind of get an update on timeline. But as Kevin mentioned, that move offering, uh, one of the things that God has called us uh, or given us a, a word for when we started the Foundations campaign was what I do is enough. And uh, too many times we ask God for more and more and more, and we have this desire of more, 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 and it's more of our fleshly appetite. And when God says, I am enough, I can satisfy all of your needs according to my riches and glory. And so we believe that. We trust that. God's word is truth. And and so this move offering is an opportunity for us. We're not asking for anything we're, other than you to pray and participate in obedience with God. Um, if that means money, great. If it doesn't, man, you need to be praying for this because uh, God has called us as a church to, to a new level of ministry. Um, speaking of ministry, today's our fourth anniversary, and uh, I'm so excited, yeah. Um, most churches, uh, most church plants fail in the first two years. Um, uh, the, the main reason that happens is the, the senior pastor and the marriage of the senior pastor. And so I just want to give you an update. I love my wife, and we have an incredible marriage. Um, she is my better half. She's Holy Spirit 2.0. Um, and uh, we are so, uh, we just sit. Uh, uh, sometimes we sit on the patio, and we're just in awe of what God lets us do and what he's called us to do. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't change it for the world. We love being your pastor, and we love the creek. And, and uh, four years ago today, we weren't real sure how this thing was going to go because um, it was snowing four years ago today. I know we're ready, and we're ready to be done with this winter. But, um, yeah, we were uh, loaded in on the Saturday, March 20th, showed up here Sunday morning for rehearsal and everything. And our first Sunday, uh, the stage was over there in that cove, and the sound booth was over here, and we had chairs and, and things, and it, it was awkward, yes. Uh, we've learned. I mean, it's not like we've gotten any better at being awkward. Um, I mean, because look at how we're all squashed in here together. But uh, it snowed, and I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, I know you said this wasn't going to be easy, but come on, snow? Um, 
But uh, we had a few people show up, and, and I think uh, my favorite thing was, and, and always is, uh, as our mission, it's the vision to see God receive glory through lives changed by the message of Jesus. Um, this Sunday, or Wednesday night, during our classes, I got to come in, and I was doing a Q&A with one class, and then we were asked, hey, I need y'all to be praying, because in the next room, um, and uh, somebody's giving their life to Christ, and so... We got to pray for that, and uh, then got to celebrate new life, and then we'll celebrate together as a family with baptism, um, and like I said, you, you bring them, you baptize them, so get ready, um, but uh, that, that, is, that is my favorite thing, honestly, is to see lives change, because that's the greatest miracle ever. Um, that is, I mean, just as much as we read the passage of Jesus standing in front of Lazarus' tomb and going, uh, come forward, um, Wednesday night, Jesus said, come forward. And for many of us in this room, there's been a time in our life where Jesus said, come forward. And that's the greatest miracle we could ever ask or imagine. Um, and so I'm excited about that. I was reading a verse this week with our anniversary, and this just hit me. It's Exodus 20, 24. It says, an altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice, it on, your, uh, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. And it just, that just struck me this week because I've been praying a lot about the building. And I know it's easy for us to kind of put that as the focus and all of the dirt that gets moved and that can become the focus. But um, God just called me back. The dirt that really matters is this because I am dirt. Um, I am redeemed dirt. God formed dirt from the earth and blew his breath into it and then made man. And so all of us, really, guys, when we're called a dirt bag, that's really true. So, um, But I love how God says, uh, every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. And so I think it's important for us to remember. And, and this morning, I want to do something different. We don't have a big celebration for our fourth anniversary. Um, we have some memories that are going to kind of scroll. But I think the best way for us to remember is through communion. Um, that Jesus, uh, I just want to read you the passage. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul wrote this. He said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And then he says this, Do this in remembrance of me. So everything we do today, I want to remember God that this is a place where he has caused his name to be remembered, not what we have done, because we can come up with catchy slogans and structures and all these things. I really think in America, we, you can build an, a, a very uh, large organization called a church that's void of the Holy Spirit, um, and it's the Holy Spirit that makes it the church. Um, and so we're not going to remember all the things that we've done. Let's remember all the things that he has done and let him bless that. So we're going we're gonna to do communion together. So our ushers are, are, are kind of hanging out in the wings, and, and uh, uh, I know this is, I threw a curveball. It's like, wait a second, <laughs> what's happening? Um, you know, one of the things is, is there's, there's some unpredictability, but it's pretty, we're going to get into Acts chapter 27 here in a minute. You know, I am not going to, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to, to go through the book of Acts, which we're almost done, by the way. But uh, through communion, what's going to happen is uh, the cups are double stacked. So if you'll take two cups, the, the wafers on the bottom, juices on the top. Um, we're not going to have any music during this time. We're not going to do anything other than uh, I want you to take that cup and uh, 
I want you to start thinking about those times where God calls you to remembrance. Um, remember his goodness. I, I know, and we're going to get into it, there's storms going on, there's all kinds of stuff always going on in life, but you know what, this is a safe harbor. This is a safe place to come in and remember his goodness and to be reminded, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, God has a perfect track record. And so remember that. Um, and then I think we've got memories that are going to scroll. So if you want to read, we've got a few people that, that submitted memories this week on some of the things that the creeks mentioned. Some of them are funny and some of them I just love. So uh, if you'll go ahead and pass those out and then we'll take all that together here in just a minute. The neat thing about memories, you know, I'll experience things. And I know in this day and age with smartphones, we can snap a picture and remember so many things. Um, but for so long with memories, I just, I'll, I'll ask God, can you just take a snapshot in my brain? Can you make this an eternal snapshot? And, you know, he promises us a place in heaven, a dwelling. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told you. And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you and come back. And I ask him, God, in the preparation of that place, can this snapshot be framed? And there's so many snapshots at the creek of baptism days and um, times in the prayer room. Um, seeing victories and uh, things that have been overcome. And it's just uh, going back into the kids' ministry and seeing the light bulb come on for the kids and things like that. Those are snapshots for me that I just say, God, can you, can you freeze frame this? The video of my life, and just take this snapshot. And can this be there? Because this is a point where I'm out of the way and it's just your goodness. It is just you. And... The night in the upper room when Jesus had the, the, his last supper or first communion with the disciples was one of those snapshots that Scripture takes. And I know we've, tried to, we've seen artists try to paint that, um, but I think it just misses the reality of the scene. It's where you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords at the center of the table. And this is one of those snapshots that, that Scripture takes so beautifully of Jesus taking this bread and breaking it. And he's saying, hey, this is my body, and it's about to be broken for you. We're going to finish this meal, and we're going to go out, and things are going to get real difficult. But my body is going to be broken for you. And I, I, just the picture of that and sitting at that table and, and the, the human expressions for the disciples. I mean, Jesus even said, hey, the one who's going to betray me is sitting at this table. And our humanity gets in the way. Is it me? Is it me? Surely not I. But in this moment, you have God saying, I'm giving my body for you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. So let's remember his body, which is broken for us through the bread that we take. And then he takes the cup of wine. He said, this is the wine of the new covenant that I will make with you. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. And you have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God in flesh, saying, I'm about to shed my blood to pay for all of the sin, to pay for the reconciliation, to complete the plan that's been set in motion from the foundation of the world. So let's remember his goodness that this is a place where his name is remembered 
and the blessing of his sacrifice. Father, we love you. We thank you. We remember you. We remember your goodness. We honor you. We trust you. We love you. Lord, thank you for these last four years. I know they've been, they've flown by, God. There's been difficult times and challenges. There's been extreme victories and and just amazing, incredible things that we've gotten to walk through together. But Lord, above everything else, it's your faithfulness that no matter what's going on, that you are faithful every day, that you are good every day, that you are sovereign every day. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust you, that we can rest in your goodness. And Lord, we just thank you for blessing us as a church. There's nothing we've done to earn it or deserve it, but we thank you for it. And Lord, we look forward to this next year and the years ahead, Lord, for the next generations of ministry that come through Uh, the church that you've called together and assembled as the creek. We remember your goodness. Thank you for the body of Christ broken for us and the blood that was shed that gives us even a, a reason to celebrate today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. Just throughout the day, man, just remember God's goodness. You know, and things go on. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 27. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one on the ends of the rows. If you don't own one, you can take that. That's our gift to you. And um, write your name in it. And, um, or if you have the version, you can find us on whatever app store your device uses. But in version, we have a live tab, and you can uh, click in that. We actually have the fill-in notes for you. Um, but remembering is important. I mean, it, we've got to always think back. I think, I think Christ followers tend to have a short-term memory I mean, think about the disciples. Not long after this, this experience in the, uh, uh, the Last Supper, and they go out to the Mount of Olives in the garden, and, and everything happens, and they scatter. I mean, and Peter so quickly forgets uh, all of his conversations with Jesus to the point where you know, he's cursing uh, the people that are questioning his time with Jesus, and you see them scatter. How quickly we forget. I mean, God will bring us through an incredible difficulty, an incredible challenge, and then we find ourselves in something else, and we're like, well, God, what are you doing here? I mean, I think we have short-term memory issues on God's faithfulness and His goodness, and He calls us back to this. And today we're going to look at Paul in the storm and uh, the importance of remembering in that storm. And the, the reality is some of you are in a storm right now. now. It may not be raining and storming outside, but in the middle of your life, at the, and it is just turmoil it is wind from every direction. It feels like the waves are about to overtake you, and you're in the middle of that, that, that trial. If you're not, don't get too prideful, because let me tell you, there is a process with this. The process is this. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into another storm. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way life happens. And uh, as soon as you start sailing out of one, you're like, Whew, and you, you know, but I, I told you, I think it was last week, the movie Perfect Storm, when they think they made it, they're just in the eye of that bad boy. And so that's always the process. And, and that's, here's the thing, that's life. Scripture never promised an easy life. The reason the Bible speaks so much of pain and suffering and storms and issues is because God knows it is a reality of the life He's called us to live that's going to happen. Now, there's some things that we need to learn to do within the storm and how to hold on in the storm. And so we're going to look at Paul, 
Um, the thing that we've got to remember, I'm going to kind of hit a couple things from last week, but we always have to remember that God doesn't always deliver us from the storms, but he always walks us through them. We looked at the scripture last week where the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and they were sailing across the lake and a storm comes up and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Okay, you're asking the God of the universe who, who we just remembered was in the room with them and said, this is my body, which we've broken for you. This is the blood that will be shed for you. And you think I don't care if you drown? I mean, Jesus is like, I'm going after eternity here, people. I'm going to pay the sin debt that has been in place since the time of Adam. And I'm going to use my blood to reconcile all things above the earth, on the earth, and under the earth by my name, through my name. And you think I don't care about you drowning? You don't think I care about a little storm? He does. Don't think that God isn't concerned with what's going on in your life. Too many times I think we separate God as this faraway person of like God's not interested in the daily life. And, and he just gets involved when we invite him to get involved. That's not the way God is. He is intimately involved with every detail of your life. He is concerned. That's why the Holy Spirit dwells in the life of a believer because he is that connected with us. He wants his presence living in us so that there's that connection. Jesus cares where you're at. God knows exactly where you're at. If God not only has the numbers of hairs on your head numbered, of course he's going to care what's going on in your life. And so he doesn't always deliver us, but he's going to take us through them. I said this earlier, remember God's track record. It is perfect. Now, last week I said something, and I got some questions on it, on this issue, does God cause storms or allow storms? Okay, let me give you the deepest theological understanding that I can give you today. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you what matters. God is sovereign. Whether he causes the storm or allows the storm, the important thing to understand as a Christ follower is God is above the storm. That God is sovereign in it and through it. And when he promises to walk with us through the storm, we have to understand something. God is sovereign in and through our life. So don't get hung up and try to, try to armchair quarterback a situation. Well, did, uh, did God cause this or did God allow it? Understand that God is sovereign over it. And what we have to do is then get in and say, God, how do I give you glory through this? Remember, the goal is to glorify God, clarify the gospel. So whether God causes or allows a storm, our response should be, God, how do I give you glory through whatever's going on in my life? And God, through whatever's going on in my life, how do I make Jesus more clear? Because there's an opportunity to do that in everything that comes up. Whether you're in a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go in the storm, God can be glorified and Jesus can be made clear. Um, so let's, let's pick it up here. Verse, uh, chapter 27, we'll start verse 13. Um, the, the, the heading over this passage in my Bible is the storm. Um, verse 13, when a gentle wind began to blow... They thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, to recap what's going on, Paul, they start hitting some rough sailing. And Paul says, I don't think this is a good idea. I think we should find a place to stay because if we continue, this is going to be disastrous for the ship, its cargo, and our lives. And so they get into this, this little situation. Paul's a prisoner. And he's saying this to the centurion. The centurion goes to the captain, pilot, owner of the ship and says, hey, this is what Paul's saying, and, and I really trust him because I've seen his life, and he talks 
about his relationship with God, and he's saying this is going to be dangerous. The captain of the ship, it's about money. We've got to get from this port to this port, or we don't get paid. And the other thing is they didn't, they wanted to stay in a, they wanted to winter in a place that was more comfortable. It's like, I don't want to stay there. And so they press on. And so what seems like Paul says, we shouldn't go on. They said, we're going on that maybe the pilot kind of looks at Paul and is like, you're not a sailor. You don't know what you're doing. So Paul's put back in his position as a prisoner, and they go on, and then it says that the gentle wind began to blow. This gentle wind came off the coast of Africa, which would be a warmer breeze, and so it's probably like, yeah, see, this is what we needed. So they pull the anchor up, and they start heading um, in the direction they wanted to go, and uh, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. Now, in the King James, I love this verse because it says a... uh, uh, tempestuous storm. That's where we get our English word typhoon. So Luke is using Greek language here, and he gets even stronger. So a tempestuous storm or a typhoon blows up called Eurocladon. The name of this storm is Eurocladon. Okay, we get the cute hurricane names. You know, we make them up now. and We're like, oh, this is hurricane. Um, I'm trying to remember. Hannah, you know, this is hurricane Chloe. This is hurricane... Um, south wind, gentle breeze blow. This Eurocladon, okay, that has some teeth to it. That sounds like a dinosaur, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like it's got teeth, a big tail, and claws. So when it's going to come through, man, it is, you better have some insurance. You better have something to protect you. A a hurricane shelter, we'll call it. I don't know. Um, Eurocladon. And so it's a heavy storm. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Now, let me tell you something. When you're in the middle of a storm, the easiest temptation is to give way to it. This isn't in the notes. This is free. I mean, this is just too many times we get into a a struggle in life, and the temptation is to give way to the storm. And let me tell you something. That's not always going to be the case. Don't get hung up on does God cause or allow this storm. Okay, get caught up in, God, how do I glorify you in this storm? Because God may be saying, hey, I need you to surrender and give way to where, where I'm taking you. The other thing, there's an enemy that may be trying to say, I'm trying to get you to give up on God and head the direction I want to give. So be very careful about how you surrender your direction in a storm. Your compass should always be set to glorifying God and clarifying Jesus. As we passed the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. The lifeboat would be something they would, they, would, they would tow behind the ship, and so it's getting tossed, so they're trying to bring that closer and get that secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Now, this would be something, we don't see this today, but in the first century and even, even during the time of wooden hold ships, what would happen is when you'd get into storms, the waves would kind of come and they would batter the hull, and there's giant beams that would be set in place in the hull of the ship. So what they would do, they would either use a chain or a special rope, and they, would, they had a system that they could pass that under the hull, and they would then tighten it. So what they're doing is they're trying to gird the ship and undergird the ship to keep it from breaking apart when the waves. Okay, to give you an idea, these waves had to have been coming at such a force that they were worried about the ship being broken apart, that they would go through this process. So they're trying to bring security to the ship so it doesn't break apart. 
That's how serious the, the storm is going on. Uh, fearing that it would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. So now they're getting so worried. They've undergirded the ship. They've dropped the anchor. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever driven a boat, the thing that's a challenge about driving a boat is it doesn't have brakes. Um, the anchor's like brakes for the boat. They have dropped the anchor, and they're trying to get the boat to slow down or stop, and, and it's just, the wind is still so hard. It's dragging them along, dragging the anchor. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day, uh, the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up hope of being saved. Let me remind you who all's on this ship. You've got 276 souls on this ship. You've got Luke, who was writing the book of Acts, who wrote the gospel account of Luke. You've got Aristarchus, who traveled with Paul that would help him in prison. And you've got Paul. These men had experience with God's goodness. These men had experience with God's track record. These men had seen the work that God has done firsthand and given accounts of these things. Okay, Luke is saying, we lost hope. Everyone on the ship gave up hope. How do you get to that situation? How do you get to a point, or or let me throw it back, why would God cause or why would God allow something like this to happen to make them that hopeless? I admire Luke for being honest. I mean, he's not trying to fake it and say, well, we're more than overcomers. I mean, they're in the middle of this. I mean, you, you, you may be sitting in life and you've wrapped ropes around to try to hold things together. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your finances. Whatever it is, you have wrapped it and you have undergirded it and you're trying to hold it together. And then you've started, it's still battering. You've tried to slow life down and it's still dragging you along. You've started dumping things overboard that you find aren't that important. And then you get into that darkest night of the storm, that time where there's sun or moon or stars, nothing appears. You're just enveloped with a cloud of darkness. You know, can I tell you it's okay to be honest in that time? And what I love about the nature of God is God can bring hope to the most hopeless of situations. You learned this term the week after Christmas called ex nihilo. It's a Greek word for, it means out of nothing. And God has power to bring something out of nothing. Scripture is filled with these instances. Abram and Sarai become Abraham and Sarah. Something out of nothing. His covenant with Abraham, I will make you a generation. I will make your descendants as great as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky out of nothing, a barren couple. Out of the dirt, God forms man and breathes his breath into it, out of nothing. Everything that we see and experience, God stepped into nothing and spoke his word and created everything out of nothing. God, this is like saying, God, do you care that we're drowning? 
when God can speak hope in the most hopeless of situations, where, where we see it and can't comprehend it, and we've wrapped the ropes, and we've dumped the cargo, and we've, we've lowered the anchor, and we're still being drugged along, and the storm is still raging on, and it's getting darker and darker, and more hopeless and hopeless, and God can bring hope in the most hopeless of situations. What I love about that, verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, this isn't Paul getting up and saying, I told you so. I mean, there's a lot of us that sit in church. And we're like, I told him they shouldn't do that. I told her she should not have dated that guy. I told him he should not have made that decision. I mean, you do it. We all do it. This isn't Paul's, I gotcha, bam. Listen to what the next verse, context is key. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Okay, so God, in the darkest moment of the storm, somehow gives Paul courage so that he can then encourage the rest of the ship. Where does that come from? How did that happen? I'm glad you asked. Last night, verse 23, last night an angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Oh, man. In the middle of our storm, so many times, we're like, if an angel could just stand here and say, Take courage. I've got you. Yeah, we would think, What a miracle. In the middle of a storm, we're praying, God, I need a miracle. But can I be honest with you? Most of us don't need a miracle. We need to be reminded of God's word. Let's read the Bible and believe it again. This wasn't new revelation God gave Paul. It wasn't as though the angel stood there on that ship in the middle of the darkest moment of the storm and said, okay, Paul, let me give you some new information. This angel is sharing the word that was given to Paul in Jerusalem when he was in prison after he'd botched an attempt and gotten all sideways and crossways and and butted heads with the Sanhedrin. Jesus stands with Paul and says, Take courage, Paul. You've testified about me in Jerusalem. Now you're going to testify about me in Rome. So many of us don't need a new revelation. We need to resubmit to the word of God because it is true. And it is truth, and he is calling us back to that. In the darkest night, go back to his word. Go back to his word. We, we pray for faith. In Romans 10, it says, here's how faith happens. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so not, all, not always, if Jesus calms the storm, that's going to increase our faith. If all of a sudden in the darkest night of our our marriage or the time with our kids or whatever the situation is in your life, if God just clears that up, most of the time we think clearing up is for the other person to recognize our view is right, which isn't always right. But if God just clears that up, we don't have faith. We get prideful. God calls us to increase faith. Where does faith come from? The Word of God. Hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Let's get back to the Word of God. And he can create hope out of hopelessness. Why? Because we see it over and over and over in his word. I don't think you could read any, any chapter without being able to connect back to the, 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 the ability for God to create something out of nothing. 
I really don't think so. So Paul was reminded and filled with faith even in the middle of the storm. Even when things are rough, we can anchor to the cross. When everything else is a mess, we can anchor to the cross. There's 276 souls on board. I was watching, I love watching like, uh, I can't even remember the names of the channels. I can't even remember the channel. What I do is I scroll through the guide, and if it looks interesting, that's what I go to. But I love watching these things. I was watching one uh, a couple weeks ago about a cruise ship off of the, off of the coast of Italy um, that, that had run aground. And they kept saying these, they, they wouldn't say there's, there's this many people on board. They said souls. And whenever you read in nautical terms, they talk about souls on board. What did the angel say to Paul? And what did Paul give them courage with? Every soul on this boat will be spared. The ship will be lost. God loves those salty sailors and the other prisoners that are on that boat more than he loves Paul's comfort. Think about the people you're on the ship with in life. And God cares about their souls. And even when it is rough, we can anchor to the cross. Because let me tell you something, that ship was being dragged along, even with the anchor dragging the ground. The cross is unwavering. The cross is constant. Whether it be a trial or a storm, coming out of a storm or going into a storm. What's interesting about this, they lost hope. And so you start to think, remember we talked about doubts, and we thought doubts disqualify us for what God calls us to do. Well, the problem with that is we, we miss the sovereignty of God because God called him to do it. Paul didn't take away, or God didn't take away Paul's calling. He stepped it up. Remember in 23 verse 11, he said, you're going to testify about me in Rome. What did he say here? You are going to stand trial before Caesar. Okay, wait, you just said we were going to Rome. And I was going to have to testify. I didn't think Caesar was going to be in the room. You mean he's going to be in the room? I mean, I got to share, I'm going to share the gospel with Caesar. God stepped it up for Paul. So we start to see these things happen. Here's what I find comfort in. Even when Paul had his doubts, even when Paul had lost hope, even when Paul didn't believe that he was going to make it through the storm, you know what I love about God's character? God believed in Paul. I know a lot of us wrestle with our belief in God and we struggle with doubts. Man, let me encourage you that God believes in you. God has created you. You are uniquely made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has given you a purpose. He has given you a hope. He has given you a future. And He believes in you. And just because we may, we may go through these struggles, He still believes in us. I think, I think that's worthy of, of the benefit of the doubt because we think faith is this force. Faith is not a force to get what we want. Faith is the trust and trusting God that he will get glory no matter what. See, when we go through doubt, I think the trouble with doubt is this, is that it robs God of the worship he's due because it's a lack of faith in the one who deserves the faith. And so God calls us back to that. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, 
For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Paul's just being honest. He's like, it's going to be all right, but it's going to hurt. You ever, you ever had those times? Hey, it's going to be all right, but it's going to hurt for a little bit. It's, we're, we're going to be safe, and we're going to be saved, but we're going to hit some ground. We're going to have to lose some stuff. We're going to have to go through uh, some more stuff. It's not over. You know, so many times in the middle of our storm, we want somebody to say it's over. Okay, you're done. That, that we can just tap out and, and, okay, it's done. That it's some reality show where all the cameras come out from behind the, 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 or the, the doctors and staff come out from behind the cameras and they fix everything. That's not the case. This is real life. And, and we've got to keep it real. That God is sovereign, but you know what? We may go through some stuff. Can I encourage you to stand on God's word and character no matter the difficulty? His word is true. His character is strong. And we can stand on that. We can anchor to that. Stand on your relationship with God. Remember his goodness. The other men on the ship had had a relationship with their gods, little g, and it, it and, and sadly, too many Christians associate their relationship with God this way as a transactional relationship, where if I do this, you'll do this, and there's this obligatory back and forth and this exchange that happens. Can I tell you, that's not the way God works. God loves us. There is mutual grace, and he poured out his love. While we were yet sinners, there is nothing we can do to get his love, and he gives it to us freely. He gives us that grace So, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go in a storm. Let me encourage you, remember. Remember what God has called you to. Remember what God has said about you. And remember what God has done for you. And God is sovereign in and through the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your your power. We thank you that no matter how the winds blow or how the waves come at us, or whatever the storm may be, or how dark it can be, that you are sovereign, that you are in control. Lord, we submit to that. Lord, some of us have done all we can do. We've wrapped it with ropes. We've tried to make it as secure as we could. We've dropped the excess things that are keeping us off balance. Lord, we've even dropped an anchor to try to try to slow things down. And God, we're still we're still getting beaten up. But God, I ask that you help us not to focus on the storm, but help us to remember that our lives, our hearts, that you you have awakened to life. That the gospel has saved us and transformed us by the the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus and the new life through his resurrection that you have called us and you have taken us and caused your name to be remembered in our life. And we ask that you bless that. That Lord, I ask that you help us to be absolutely clear on how we can glorify you in every moment. 
sailing into the storm through the middle of it and sailing out on the other side, that we glorify you, that, Lord, we can make Jesus clear and that the gospel can be made clear because that is the only power of God unto salvation. And, Father, if there's anyone in this room that that maybe maybe the storms are just, they just keep coming one after another, and or maybe life is smooth sailing, but there's no remembrance of you. And, Father, maybe through this time, it, just the Holy Spirit has been working on their heart. And in this moment, they realize that they've never stood on your word. They've never anchored themselves to the cross. I pray that you give them courage in this moment, in the quietness of their space, to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you desire to give new life and that it's nothing I can do. It's not transactional. I just ask for your grace. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Father, I ask that you give them the courage to at least put that on the card or come talk to me after service so we can help them navigate together. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for these four years. It is only by your grace and only by your goodness. And Father, we ask for your courage and your strength to hold on in the storm. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.